Welcome to Royally Screwed, my name is Chris Shear, and it's my honor to take you on a tour through some of history's greatest, worst, and craziest rulers. On this week's episode, it's time to head to Japan during a time of great political change to the structure of its empire. We're diving into the story of Japanese shogun Minamoto no Yoritomo, a man who, for the sake of settling arguments over what is a shogun, is sometimes considered Japan's first shogun. In case you're wondering what a shogun is compared to a king or emperor, we'll get into that later. By learning Minamoto's story, hopefully you'll learn a bit about how the Japanese imperial system worked and how it was completely upended through its own means. Also, there will be samurais. But first, we'll have to learn about the man who helped take it down. It's a tale of war, family, and betrayal. So without further ado, let's begin the story. We're going back in time to 12th century Japan and the bloody revenge of Shogun Yoritomo. The Empire of Japan was formed in 660 BCE, though we're not going to be spending any time that far back for now. For this history lesson, we're going to jump all the way forward to 794 CE. Minamoto no Yoritomo was born towards the end of what is called the Heian period, which lasts from 794 to 1185. It was a period of growth for Japanese culture and identity, and was considered the height of the Japanese imperial court. The period itself is named after the city of Heian-kyo, modern-day Kyoto, which served as the capital of the empire during this period. Japanese culture was allowed to flourish during this time mostly due to a decline in the influence of Chinese culture on the Empire of Japan. Chinese influence on Japan had been commonplace for almost as long as Japan had been an empire. Religions such as Taoism and Buddhism were both brought to Japan from China. Also, a massive part of the Japanese language was taken from the Chinese alphabet in the form of the Japanese kanji writing system. Finally, quite a bit of Japan's governmental system was influenced by its continental mainland neighbor, such as their process of equal land distribution. Relations with China began to dwindle in the late 9th century, when a rebellion within China caused Japan to stop sending ships to the mainland. As Japan became independent from China, one of the big changes was the military class of Japan. Before the Heian period, Japan mostly used military conscription, a system much like the military draft we have today. That system eventually fell apart with the cultural shift, and soon enough, military power came in the form of local lords and other landowners hiring private armies. The rich, with all their wealth, gathered the best soldiers with the best military tech of the time. This shift gave rise to a new military class that would become known as the Bushi, also known as Samurai. Samurai operated under a code known as Bushido. This code is somewhat similar to what we think of as the code of chivalry employed by European knights, but Bushido took on different forms over the different eras of Japanese history. In the Heian period, Bushido was mainly about overwhelming your enemies with incredible force. Fearlessness and athleticism were all a samurai needed in order to be great, unlike in later periods when Bushido began to take on elements of Confucianism and Zen Buddhism with a heavy emphasis on honor. But for now, let's briefly step away from samurai to talk about the position that would eventually control these warriors, the shogun. 
A shogun was a military dictator in Japan who controlled the military forces of the empire. It is actually an abbreviation of the title Sei Taishogun, which translates to something like Grand General of the Army to Quell Barbarians. Before the era of Minamoto no Yoritomo, a shogun was a role similar to the position of dictator in the era of the Roman Republic like I mentioned in episode 5. In case you missed that, a dictator in the Roman Republic was a temporary leader Rome would elect in order to help the Republic through times of distress. As the translation of the name Sei Taishogun suggests, the shogun was elected by the emperor in order to handle matters relating to threats from outside the empire. These threats mostly came in the form of the Emishi culture from northern Honshu, the main island of Japan. Towards the end of the 11th century, the imperial court of Japan began to enter a period of decline, leaving room for the wealthy landowners of Japan and their samurai to gain more power. As we've gone over time and time again in this show, when the rich get more power, the central power of the nation needs to start worrying for their existence. Eventually, clans of samurai became so powerful that they might as well have been the ones leading the nation. Two clans would find themselves sitting on the precipice of changing Japan forever. The first was the Taira family. The other clan was the Minamoto. Kick things off, another reminder that Eastern Asian names are the reverse of Western names. Family names come first, and given names come second. So Minamoto no Yoritomo was a man from the Minamoto family named Yoritomo. No is a possessive article in Japan, so here it means something like Yoritomo of the clan Minamoto. In order to make that easier to remember, I'll try to just refer to him as Yoritomo from now on and use Minamoto when talking about the family as a whole. Also, as a warning up front, there are several men in the Minamoto family whose names begin with Y-O. I'll try my best to make sure you understand who I'm talking about when they come up. Speaking of which, Yoritomo was the son of Minamoto no Yoshitomo, who himself was heir to the Minamoto clan and son of the clan leader, Minamoto no Tameyoshi. Yoritomo's mother was of the Fujiwara family. The Fujiwara clan was an incredibly powerful family in the Japanese imperial court. Most Japanese emperors of the Heian period were sons of a Fujiwara mother. This means that, on his father's side, Yoritomo was a member of a great samurai family, and, on his mother's side, he was of noble lineage. Keep that in mind for the entirety of Yoritomo's story. He was born with basically all of the silver spoons in his mouth and more. Even if you didn't know that he was going to become Shogun, it's pretty obvious to see that this guy was born for greatness. Yoritomo was born in May of 1147. We can then skip forward several years and actually step away from Yoritomo for just a moment. In 1156, a massive fracture tore apart the imperial court. There's a lot of further information that's going to happen, but I'll try to explain a couple things first. Throughout the Heian period, even before and after this era, there existed the concept of a cloistered emperor. 
an emperor could basically choose to retire from the ceremonial aspects of his position and choose to live away from the court, many emperors sometimes choosing to become Buddhist monks. They still had executive power over Japan, but the ceremonial aspects of the nation's ruler then fell to whoever the cloistered emperor named as his successor. The successor then being known by the title emperor without any other descriptors. The cloistered emperor of Japan at this time was Emperor Toba. Toba's son, Emperor Konoe, had been named his successor, but then died after taking the throne and leaving no heirs. This led to the problem of who to name as his replacement. Toba had two other sons, Sotoku and Go Shirakawa. Now, Sotoku had already been emperor during his father's retirement, but Sotoku himself then decided to retire, which led to the ascension of Emperor Konoe. When Konoe passed away, Sotoku and his supporters thought one of his sons would take the throne, but Toba and his supporters felt that Go Shirakawa should take the throne. I could do an entire other episode on this whole situation, I won't because I just summarized it here, but this fracture affected all of the nobility in Japan, including Clan Minamoto. Yoritomo's grandfather, Tamayoshi, sided with Sutoku. However, Minamoto no Yoshitomo, Yoritomo's father, sided with Toba and Go Shirakawa. The latter was also joined by Taira no Kiyomori, heir of the other major samurai clan of this time period. A brief civil war erupted, but in the end, the forces backing Go Shirakawa won. In the aftermath of the war, Yoritomo's grandfather was executed, therefore making Minamoto no Yoshitomo clan leader and Yoritomo the clan heir. Despite joining together during the craziness of 1156, which was known as the Hogan Rebellion, Hogan like the wrestler but spelled differently, the Minamoto clan and the Taira clan soon began to find themselves deep-seated rivals, as they had been before. It only took four years for the rivalry to turn ugly, and a war erupted between the two samurai families. The matter of war was once again over who to support within the imperial court. The Minamoto clan still threw their support behind Go Shirakawa, now a cloistered emperor himself. Meanwhile, the Taira clan, now under the leadership of Taira no Kiyomori, supported Go Shirakawa's son, Emperor Nijo. There was a lot going on in the background with the Fujiwara clan, there was always something going on in the background with the Fujiwara clan, but I don't want to go off on that long tangent in this episode. Despite the Minamoto seeming to have an upper hand after killing the Fujiwara ally of the Taira clan, Yoritomo's clan soon found themselves outnumbered and cornered. Yoritomo's father and two older brothers all fought in the war, and all three met their ends at different paths. Yoshitomo, Yoritomo's father, was forced to kill his second son after that son was wounded. Yoshitomo was betrayed by one of his men and killed in a bath. Minamoto no Yoshihira, Yoritomo's oldest brother, attempted to avenge his father, but was captured and executed by Kiyomori. With his father dead, and only at the age of 13, Yoritomo found himself as the head of the Minamoto clan. And yet, there was almost no clan to speak of. The Minamoto had been defeated, 
and Taira no Kiyomori became one of the most powerful men in Japan. However, Kiyomori was not going to kill a 13-year-old boy, though it's believed Kiyomori let him live because the Taira leader's stepmother begged him not to kill Yoritomo. Instead, Yoritomo was exiled to Izu province, a peninsula a little south of modern-day Tokyo. Also escaping the carnage were Yoritomo's two younger half-brothers, Noriyori and Yoshitsune. The young head of the Minamoto clan would stay in exile for the next 20 years of his life. In case you felt like we haven't focused much on Yoritomo in this episode, uh, it is his story we're telling after all, don't worry, he can now be the full focus of the narrative. But we needed the background of both the Hogan Rebellion in 1156 and the Heiji Rebellion, the events of 1160, in order to build up Yoritomo's quest for vengeance against Taira no Kiyomori. So let's pick up with Yoritomo almost 20 years later. Izu province was the domain of the Hojo clan, who in turn were allies of the Taira clan, but Yoritomo found himself under the watchful eye of a man named Sukechika. During his time in exile, Yoritomo decided it would be a good idea to seduce Sukachika's daughter, an action which angered Yoritomo's jailer. In order to save his own skin, Yoritomo fled to the protection of Sukachika's superiors, the Hojo clan. Our young hero, not really young anymore since he was almost 30, now found himself under the care of Hojo Tokimasa. During his new living conditions, Yoritomo met and fell in love with Tokimasa's daughter, Masako. Like Tsukachika, Tokimasa was not very happy with the situation evolving between Yoritomo and his daughter. Around 1178, the two ran away to the Izu Mountains, where they were married. Soon after, the couple welcomed their first child, a daughter named Ohime. All the while, Yoritomo received word of the situation in Heian-kyo. Taira no Kiyomori had taken the empire by storm. As the leader of what was basically the only samurai clan in the city, Kiyomori enjoyed unbridled power. In 1167, he had attained the position of Daijo Daijin, one of the most important positions in the imperial court outside of being emperor. It's a bit like how England has both a queen and a prime minister. In this situation, Kiyomori is the prime minister. He used this new position to stage a coup, ousting all of his rivals in the imperial court and replacing them with his own friends and allies. He then imprisoned cloistered emperor Go Shirakawa and forced the current emperor, Takakura, to resign in favor of an emperor who more so fit his agenda. These actions made Kiyomori fairly unpopular, even among some of his allies and members of his own clan. Things escalated in 1180 when Prince Mochihito, son of Go Shirakawa, decided he had enough of Kiyomori's meddling. He called upon the remnants of the Minamoto clan to fight back and take care of the Daijo Daijin. Another member of Yoritomo's clan, Minamoto no Yorimasa, came to Mochihito's cause, but both men ended up dying in their efforts. This failure finally sparked Yoritomo to rise up against the foes who had destroyed his family. 
The first thing Yoritomo did was consolidate his forces, which at this point included some rebel members of the Taira clan in the city of Kamakura, which lies about 10 miles south of present-day Tokyo. By this point, Yoritomo had reconciled with his father-in-law, and the forces of the Hojo clan were now on his side. In September of 1180, Yoritomo rallied his forces in their first battle at Ishibashiyama. It was finally time for victory to come his way. And Yoritomo's forces lost. In his defeat, which included hiding out in a hollowed out tree trunk and then being smuggled off the battlefield, Yoritomo fled east into Chiba Prefecture. It would take him six months in order to build up another army. In 1181, Taira no Kiyomori died, and his son, Munemori, succeeded him as the leader of the Taira clan. Munemori proved to be an even fiercer opponent than his father, but Yoritomo managed to stay secured at his base in Kamakura. The fighting would then cease for a period of about two years. Yoritomo used this opportunity to bolster his army and more or less establish his own government in Kamakura. During this time, Yoritomo was joined by his two younger half-brothers, Noriyori and Yoshitsune. All the Minamoto's leaders now needed was the right opportunity. Unfortunately, Yoritomo's cousin struck first. Yoritomo's cousin, Yoshinaka, by the way, take a sip of water every time I say a name that begins with Y-O in this episode and you'll be super hydrated. Anyway, Yoshinaka decided to take matters into his own hands. Yoshinaka had never been too keen on seeing Yoritomo as head of the Minamoto clan. In what was probably a move to show his supremacy over Yoritomo, Yoshinaka led his own army into Heian-kyo and chased the Taira clan out of the city. The Minamoto faction in Heian-kyo then placed an emperor of their own choosing on the throne. With all the chaos threatening to destroy the empire, cloistered emperor Go Shirakawa called upon Yoritomo to take care of Yoshinaka's rampage. Yoritomo sent Noriyori and Yoshitsune into Heian-kyo, where they drove their cousin out of the city and then executed him. With this victory, Yoritomo's army occupied Heian-kyo, putting the capital of the empire in their hands. The big climactic finish to the fighting, altogether called the Genpei War, was the decisive naval battle of Dan no Ura. On April 25, 1185, Minamoto no Yoshitsune led the Minamoto navy against the Taira. It seemed at first that the Taira would be the victors of the battle, but when the literal tides changed, the Minamoto landed a crushing defeat to Clan Taira. With the enemy defeated, Yoritomo found the revenge he had been looking for since the Taira killed his father all those years ago. However, things did not remain peaceful for long. Goshirakawa, fearing that Yoritomo would just become another Taira no Kiyomori, decided to throw his support behind Minamoto no Yoshitsune. Realizing that this had pitted him against Yoritomo, Yoshitsune fled from Heian-kyo. Using his newfound powers as one of the most powerful men in Japan, Yoritomo set up the offices of Shugo and Jito, military constables and district stewards respectively, in order to strengthen his power, but also use these new offices to hunt down and capture his younger half-brother. 
1189, Yoshitsune's allies betrayed him to Yoritomo. Yoritomo ordered Noriyori to bring in Yoshitsune, but his other half-brother refused. Nevertheless, Yoshitsune was discovered by Yoritomo's forces, but committed suicide before he could be captured. There would be no mistake about it. Yoritomo was the leader of the Minamoto clan. Yoritomo controlled how the law was practiced under the Shugo and how taxes were collected under the Jito. As he greatly increased the number and power of these two departments, not to mention that this greatly undermined the power of the imperial court, Yoritomo was only a few small steps away from being the leader of Japan. Now, all of this was done with permission from Go Shirakawa. However, the cloistered emperor was still the one man who was preventing Yoritomo from becoming leader of the nation. Nevertheless, Yoritomo continued his pursuit of power. He subjugated two more provinces in the north of Japan's main island, and even made efforts to take land in Kyushu, the southernmost of Japan's main islands. In 1192, Goshi Urkawa, the last man in the way of Minamoto no Yoritomo, passed away. With the cloistered emperor dead, Yoritomo finally proclaimed himself Sei Taishogun. The Shugo and Jito were turned into feudal lords, and a new system of government was established with Kamakura as its capital. This new system of government, which in English we refer to as the shogunate, was called Bakufu. This term translates to government of the Maku. A Maku was the tent a samurai commander would sit in during a battle. Yoritomo's new government was pulling no punches and letting people understand that the emperor was simply a figurehead. The samurai were now in charge. Before we wrap up Yoritomo's story, there's one last chapter that needs to be told. If you were thinking that Yoritomo was a bit of a bad and paranoid person, first of all, I don't blame you, then this is the last big mark on his ledger. In 1193, Yoritomo arranged a hunting expedition on Mount Fuji. A rumor eventually spread that Yoritomo had been killed during the hunt. Masako, his wife, was obviously worried after hearing these rumors. Seeking to comfort her, Yoritomo's brother, Noriyori, told her that he would be there for her and the clan. Unfortunately, Yoritomo had not been killed and he eventually found out about what Noriyori had said. His paranoia once again taking hold, Yoritomo had his younger brother exiled and confined in Izu province, the same place Yoritomo had been exiled to by the Taira clan. Soon enough, Yoritomo had Noriyori executed under suspicion of a conspiracy against his rule. The killings of Yoshitsune, Noriyori, and Yoshinaka, his cousin, are all major blows against Yoritomo's character. For some people, that's enough to throw away his entire career as shogun. Personally, I can see where these people are coming from. Most of Yoritomo's life was spent seeking revenge against the people who killed his family. However, once his revenge was completed, or almost completed in Yoshinaka's case, Yoritomo spent several years destroying what little family he had left. On the other hand, Yoritomo 
despite whittling down the imperial court until it became a feudal system, has been lauded for his ability to keep a fairly good working relationship between the imperial court and his system of feudal lords. And despite all of this, his rule was relatively brief. He ruled from 1192 until his death in 1199, only seven years later. His bakufu, the Kamakura shogunate, would continue under his son Minamoto no Yorie, and it would remain the leadership of Japan until 1333 when it was overthrown by Emperor Go Daigo and ex-Kamakura general Ashikaga Takauji, after which imperial rule was briefly restored, only to be overthrown again in 1336 with the establishment of the Ashikaga shogunate. That's possibly a story for another time. But for now, that's it for this week's episode of Royally Screwed. I hope you enjoyed the journey. Be sure to subscribe to the show, tell a friend, and subscribe to the Denim Creek page on Twitter for more info about each episode. Next time, we're going back to Egypt to tell the story of a powerful woman who defied conventions so much that her successors chose to erase her from history. Hatshepsut. I hope you'll join me then for another topsy-turvy look into history's most interesting rulers. Whoa, whoa, whoa.